everybody. In honor of these next two holiday weeks, we are going to rerun a couple of our favorite episodes that are especially relevant this time of year. We hope you have wonderful, safe holidays with your families and friends, and we will see you back here with new episodes after the first of the year. Welcome to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. I'm Joanna Shaw-Flam. I'm an actor and a comedian and a normal person. And I am Daphne Yang. I'm a certified personal trainer, a race coach, a certified nutrition counselor, and the creator of Hit It, which is a high-intensity interval training workout that takes place here in New York City. Today, we are going to talk about alcohol. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Such a fun episode. Alcohol and booze. <laughs> um, and so before we get started, we have, because of the nature of the topic... We have even more disclaimer than usual. So the first one, obviously, talk to your doctor before starting any workout or nutrition plan. But also, in this episode, we are not going to be talking about problem drinking, addictive drinking, the kind of drinking that gets in the way of the rest of your life. Um, If drinking um, is causing problems in your life, uh, you should definitely talk to people who are experts on that thing. Talk to your doctor. If you have a therapist, talk to your therapist. Talk to your family. Like, Definitely reach out because there are people that can help you. We're probably not those people. Um, also, obviously, don't drink and drive, you dummies. <laughs> Come on, be smart about it. Uh, and if you're under 21, this episode does not apply to you. Because if you drink alcohol and you're less than 21, your heart explodes. That's yeah. a scientific fact. And, and, and <laughs> just kidding, it's it just not science. <laughs> well, and also, if you, um, if you drink before your brain has fully developed... Uh, and you, you are still going through development as an adolescence, uh, it absolutely does affect your, your brain growth. Guys, welcome to the episode where Daphne is a total downer. <laughs> Just listen to Party Joanna. <laughs> I know, this is going to be the episode where everyone's like, womp, womp, Daphne, go away. <laughs> Let's hear more from Joanna. Yes. No, but I love alcohol too. And we'll, yeah, so we'll get to talk about our favorite kinds. Yeah, favorite kinds of alcohol. Uh setting it on fire and in, in <laughs> impressive displays. Uh, just kidding. We're not going to do any of that. We are going to talk about alcohol and how it affects your body and how you can make choices with your alcohol so that you can still uh, drink socially if that's something you want to do without totally destroying your life. Today we're going to be talking about alcohol and we want to hear from you. Send us your questions about alcohol or whatever else is on your mind, either listening to the podcast or from your life. You can email us questions at info at just one more podcast, or you can tweet us at just one more pod and we will write you back. We promise. Maybe we'll even feature you on the air. Um, so, uh, to start out, what is alcohol? So alcohol is an organic compound. And See, it's organic. <laughs> it comes from the earth. It comes from the earth. Um, alcohol is a compound, and it's been around for thousands of years at this point in time. So the main component in the alcohol that we drink is called ethanol, and it's a chemical, and that's pretty much in, in everything. So every, every type of alcohol that we ingest, uh, the chemical ethanol is in there. Um, so alcohol has been around for a really long time for thousands and thousands of years. So to make alcohol, you need to put something through a process of fermentation. And that's when yeast or bacteria reacts with um, 
sugars, and then the byproducts are ethanol and carbon dioxide. So we get to get really sciencey here. Ooh. We get to talk about alcohol from a completely non-emotional standpoint, and we get to just kind of talk about it from a from a chemical makeup. Um, so wine and cider and beer, they're made by fermenting fruit or barley or rye. Um, and a, a drink's alcohol content is actually affected by how long it's been left there to ferment. So spirits go through a process called distillation, and it's when some of the water is removed and that leaves a stronger concentration of alcohol and flavor. So that's so, like hard liquor, like vodka, yeah, mm-hmm. rum, all that stuff. Totally. Okay. So alcohol is a, a compound. Ethanol is the main chemical in alcohol and all of the alcohols that we drink. Ethanol is the thing that makes us feel, <laughs> that makes us feel all the feels. <laughs> and um, to make alcohol, we use grains, fruits, or vegetables. And um, also, back in the day, people used honey to make alcohol. Like Actually, me. I, yeah. <laughs> I was in Prague a few months ago, and we were at this marketplace, and there was a whole stand, and it was wine made of honey, and it was delicious. Well, I went to a Renaissance fair. <laughs> And they had mead there. Mead! Of course! (laughs) That is amazing. the worst I've ever seen my husband feel. This is when we learned that we were, like, getting too old to eat like children. Is we went to the Renaissance Fair, and we spent the day drinking mead and eating turkey legs and, like, fried onions. (laughs) And then poor Matt gets in the car, not drunk. We did not drink to unsafe levels. Uh, but we get in the car, and he is trying to drive us home in traffic, and he's so sick. Aww. He barely held it together. I did not think we were going to make it, but we did. But you did. Yeah, that so. Ren fair. That just... That... that. <laughs> it can be dangerous. Absolutely. If you're not prepared. And mead so. is the um, f- fermented drink made from honey and water. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, alcohol's been around for a really long time. It started way back in the time of um, Egyptian civilization. Did cavemen have so. alcohol? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't think they did. I don't think they did either. I think that's one but. of the things they say in paleo is you're not supposed to drink because cavemen didn't have alcohol. If cavemen did not drink, then you should not drink. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. <No>. <laughs> We're not doing that. No. <laughs> um, but there's evidence of alcoholic drinks in China or in the BCs. Um, in India, there were alcoholic beverages made from distilled rice. Um, and still to this day, a lot of Asian alcohols are made from fermented and distilled rice. Um, and, um, and yeah, mead was actually really popular. And that actually started off in Greece. And then there were also a lot of Native, uh, Native American civilizations, uh, and they were the ones who started to use grapes uh, and apples and corn to create alcohol. Uh, but then in the 16th century, a lot of these alcohols were used for medical purposes. Uh, so It was probably these... like the first disinfectant. Exactly. It was. You know, it's really funny now. Um, if I open up a bottle of something... Um, even some rosés, oddly enough, if I open up a bottle of rosé, the first smell I get, it smells to me like rubbing alcohol. You need to buy better wine. But but that's the thing, like, and I, I like, and I love rosé and I I have some really, you know, nice bottles, but it's weird Mm. for me. That's still what I pick up on, which Mm -hmm. I think just goes to show alcohol is alcohol and it absolutely does kill bacteria. And, um, and, and that's, that's why it's it good for you, and you should drink it all the time. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's uh, 
It has been around for a really long time. And then, of course, there was Prohibition uh, that happened in the 1920s, and that lasted about 13 years. And then, um, and then in 1933, everyone was allowed to drink alcohol again. And that is my brief history of, <laughs> of, of, alcohol. of, of alcohol. So let's talk about the part of alcohol that, that most people are focused on when they're drinking it, which is getting drunk on mm-hmm. it. Uh, so what happens when you get drunk in terms of the science of your body? So here's what happens. Alcohol is absorbed into your bloodstream via these small blood vessels in the walls of your stomach and in your small intestine. So within just a few minutes of having your first sip of alcohol, it travels actually from your stomach to the brain and it quickly produces its effects. And what it does and the main effect is it slows the action of nerve cells. So uh, 20% of alcohol is absorbed through the stomach, but the rest of it is actually absorbed through the small intestine. But it hits your brain very quickly, within minutes. I was just going to ask, because I feel like in college, we all um, I was told that it takes a certain amount of time for alcohol to actually get into your system. So pe- the people who had like two sips and then all of a sudden were like acting crazy were basically faking it. <laughs> but you're saying that's not necessarily true. Yeah, um, those people were probably not faking it. We probably should have listened to them. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, it, it hits your brain very, very quickly within minutes, and um, and it starts it starts affecting your cells right away. Um, and so, from a from a physical standpoint, what happens is the. Uh, so the the blood is then, or sorry, the the alcohol is then carried by your bloodstream to your liver. So everyone knows about the liver, and everyone, it's like we just know through casual conversation that the liver is what breaks down the alcohol, uh, which is true. So what the liver does is it eliminates the alcohol from the blood through a process called metabolizing. So ah. going back to our metabolism our metabolism podcast or our metabolism episode metabolism is not just your body's ability to burn fat or your your body's ability to burn calories. Metabolizing is just a chemical reaction in which something is, um, in which something is processed in which something is, is worked through. So then the, what the liver does is it actually converts the alcohol into a non toxic substance but the liver can only metabolize a certain amount at a time. So that leaves the excess circulating throughout your body. And thus the intensity of the, the effects of alcohol is directly related to the amount consumed. So if you drink a little bit more than your liver can process, um, that is not necessarily a good thing. Is that when that happens, is it just that you feel drunker or you yeah. feel sick uh, or both? Both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so then after the super fun getting drunk part, uh, what's a hangover? What is a hangover? That's the age old question. (laughs) We've been trying to figure that out for, for quite some time. And there are plenty of products that will tell you that they know what a hangover is and can sell you pills or shots or whatever that will like eliminate your hangover. And a lot of times uh, people's hangovers kind of manifest themselves a little differently from body to body. Yeah. um, How do do yours feel? So I, the first thing is headaches. Um, and that happens even if I have like no other symptoms, I get like a headache right between my eyes. Um, I should say first for my family members who are listening (laughs) of the parental variety, I am not a heavy drinker. Okay. You, You don't have to worry. Um, but when I do drink too much, uh, I 
get like a headache between my eyes. And then if it was like way too much or I didn't eat appropriately, then I get like a little queasy. Mm-hmm. But my husband has the weirdest hangover <laughs> symptom, which is that his knees ache. Isn't that really? weird? He just Googled it to make sure that he wasn't the only person in the world who had knee-based hangovers. And it turns out he's not. <gasps> oh, uh, my gosh. But had you ever heard of that before? I haven't. Yeah, it's weird. That's amazing. Well, what research did he find on that? Uh, that they think it's dehydration-based. Yeah. And that for some people... Like his joints It just need... makes... Yeah, I guess. Wow. That's funny. In, in all of my nutrition counseling courses and they personal training. They, they don't, we don't talk about aching knees. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What happens when you're hungover? Well, you probably me, never get hungover. That is so, oh my gosh, Joanna, I get so hungover. I'm Asian. I don't know if you guys have figured this out by now, but I'm like super Chinese and <laughs> I, I get so hungover it with like the littlest bit of, of alcohol. Um, if I'm drinking pretty frequently, uh, I will maybe be a little bit less hungover. Like I was just with my family in Napa for uh, quite a few days and we were drinking pretty regularly throughout the entire, throughout the entire week. Cause when in and Napa, because when in Napa, Napanese. <laughs> that's what people in Napa do. Um, but for me, funnily enough, my hangovers don't manifest themselves. Uh, I don't get headaches. I do get very queasy Yeah, and my hangovers, I don't know what happens, but sometimes my body just like, like can't tolerate alcohol and, um, I'll totally like throw up the next day, but the next day. Yeah. So it's almost like I've kind of alcohol poisoned myself Oh no! and, um, don't get, don't get headaches. Um, it's just queasiness, nausea. And this is like in extreme cases, like maybe this has happened maybe five times, but my general hangovers are just, uh, total fatigue and feelings of grogginess mm-hmm. and pure lousiness. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I realize, uh, and then my, my hangovers are actually worse now that I'm a little bit older. There's also a lot All of my friends have been to, saying this, that once yeah. they like, now that they're 30, they like, like hangovers last for like two days. Yep. Yeah. And then when we were 22, they lasted so much, uh, they weren't quite so severe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even my younger sister, who's 24, she had this, she had this aha moment the other day and she told me, I just, I just figured it out. Like, I just need to not drink as much because I hate how I feel when I'm hungover and I just don't want to be hungover all the time. Mm -hmm. And maybe I just won't drink as much the night before. (laughs) It's weird how we all have to come to this conclusion on our own time. Yeah. (laughs) I know. And, And then she's also, she also made a comment about how now at the ripe old age of 24, her hangovers are so much worse than when she was in college. And that's actually a tried and true uh, fact. The older we get, the uh, the stronger our hangovers are. So that's so how... what's the deal? Is it so, dehydration? Is it so, something you know, else? Well, Do we here's know? Here's the crazy thing. For the longest time, people said it's just dehydration. Alcohol is a diuretic, meaning it dehydrates you. But coffee is a diuretic too. So... So it's almost like saying if I drink too much coffee, I would have the exact same feeling as um, me drinking too much alcohol. So I think it's it's completely bogus. Uh, dehydration, yes, is a part of it. So dehydration used to be the old myth as to why people became hungover. But 
there are a lot of people who drink a ton of water the night that they are drinking, and they're still going to feel pretty groggy, lousy, headachy, queasy, um, nauseous the next morning. And I, for one, I I'm one of them. I drink a ton of water, and uh, I still feel just as terrible <laughs> the next morning. So dehydration um, is a small part of it, and I'll tell you what the dehydration does cause. The dehydration does cause the headache portion Got of the it. hangover. So. So that might explain how sometimes I won't have even had very much to drink and I'll still get like the headache the next morning. And it's mm -hmm. probably more because I'm dehydrated than because I had too much to drink. Exactly. And uh, so dehydration is, is really kind of a, a, small, a small part of it. So there are also some... There are also some ethnic patterns that affect people's ability to process alcohol. Um, alcohol is metabolized in, in two stages. And so first, the enzymes in your liver are going to break... The, the enzymes in your liver are going to break down the ethanol, which was what I spoke about um, uh, earlier. And what it does is it breaks it down. Uh, but soon after that, there's another set of enzymes that have to metabolize um a second round of, of alcohol. And for some people, this second round of metabolizing alcohol is slower and less effective than in others. So that just means a buildup of this kind of toxic substance in your system. So there are studies that show Asian people, Asian Americans and Native Americans have a higher instance of this gene that causes the inactivity of this enzyme that that uh, metabolizes the second round of alcohol in your liver. So that explains a lot of things. You always hear about the Asian glow. Um, uh, you always hear sometimes about how Asian people can't drink quite as much, um, even though some of them still still do. <laughs> uh, and, and that's also a big part of it as well. So if you are, so if you don't have that part of your body that or if you, if you don't have that part of your liver, if you don't have that enzyme there that's going to metabolize the second round of alcohol that hits your that hits your liver, it's also going to lead to a little bit more of a a little bit more of a a more intense uh, a more severe hangover. So, and some people are just hypersensitive to alcohol, and for those people who are a little bit more hypersensitive to alcohol. Uh, you know it. Uh, alcohol metabolism is something that is really specific to the individual. Yeah, it's probably something where if you are paying any attention at all, you have some sense of how it's affecting your body because uh, you know how much you drank and how you feel during it and the next day. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I also, um, there are little things that you can do to prevent your hangovers from being as intense. Ooh, hangover tips. <laughs> Daphne Yang's hangover, hangover tips. tips. <laughs> Tip number one, don't drink quite as much alcohol. <laughs> so, Thanks, Daphne. Great tip. Super fun. From the, uh, from the standpoint of headaches, absolutely make sure you are hydrating. Uh, a headache is just a classic sign of dehydration overall. People will, you'll get a headache at 4 p.m. if you've been at the office for you know, tons of hours and you haven't had any water and you've only had coffee all day. So dehydration to avoid the um, headache, make sure you are hydrating 
throughout the evening and then also before you go to bed. And uh, another thing is to make sure that you do have some food in your system. So going to, so going into a heavy night of drinking without any food in your system is also going to lead to quicker absorption and quicker um, metabolizing of the alcohol. And that's going to have a much more intense effect. Um, and uh, so really, you know, everything in moderation. <laughs> I think that's basically it. Uh, there's no magic pill. There's no magic. Um, there's no medication that will completely, uh, completely undo the effects of a hangover. We're stuck um, with the consequences of our actions. <laughs> Ugh. I know. This is the worst. Womp womp. Right. All right. So speaking of consequences, uh, I assume that drinking is bad for you in general. Is that true? Like, how does drinking affect your health overall? If you're looking at a client in terms of their overall health and alcohol, what are some things you think about? Well, there are some positives to drinking alcohol. Great! Yeah. <laughs> this is great news. <laughs> there are positives, and of course there are negatives, um, but... I, you know me, I love to spin everything on its positive. And there are some types of alcohol that are better than other types of alcohol. And there are lots of um, studies out there that do show drinking certain types of alcohol in moderation um, can help with heart health, um, preventing cancer because they have antioxidants in them. Um, and, and like, I, I love, I love wine. I'm like a big... Napa Valley is probably my favorite place in the entire world. Um, I love the lifestyle. I love um, I love the taste of it. I love studying wine. Sideways is my favorite movie of all time. And I pretty much grew up in Napa. I mean, even before I was able to drink, my family and I, we were going to Napa um, just a few times a, a month for picnics and uh, family gatherings and, and meeting with family friends. And so for me, um, Napa and wine country and wine hold a very special emotional place in my heart. Um, I love wine. I love studying it. I love, I love everything about uh, the lifestyle uh, and kind of like the beauty that comes along with it. So I think the, the goal of this podcast is to not scare anyone from drinking alcohol. It's, it's definitely to, um, to, to love alcohol the way it should be loved and to um, drink, every, drink it in moderation and to, just like with food, we want to love it, we don't want to abuse it. Right. Well, I think one thing that you're getting at there is that for a lot of people, like food for many people, alcohol is part of culture and social experience. And so I think that's like, even like, aside from everything else um, that makes alcohol uh, compelling, I think it's, uh, it's a really integral part of a lot of people's culture, some people's religion, um, their social time, um, that it's really uh, tied in with all those things for a lot of people. Um, and that's not necessarily bad, um, as long as you can engage with it in a healthy way, just like we talk about with, you know, treat foods and things like that. Um, that the idea isn't like you have to like give it all up or face the, the, you know, consequences, but it's like, you know, like you said, you have finding a way to have a healthy relationship with those things is important, whether it's food or alcohol or whatever else. Um, but, uh, you were saying that, uh, 
is it red wine that they think might be good for it heart is. health? Yeah. All right. Yeah. You know, people in the people who have lived in Europe, the Mediterranean, they drink red wine pretty regularly, and there are so many uh, there are so many studies out there to show they have incredible longevity, and there are low instances of heart disease. And um, even there is this book called The Blue Zone, which I read a long time ago, and it's talking about the places in the world, um, these zones where people just happen to be incredibly healthy. And um, I remember the, the doctor who, was, who wrote this book, he went to like a village in the middle of Asia where the men and women were in their 90s and they were strong and muscular. And he figured out it was because their water was very hard water with lots of minerals in it. And that's why their bone density uh, was so good. And that's why all the, the men and women lived to be so long was because of the hard water. So that was a blue zone. Huh. So um, another blue zone was a part of the Mediterranean that had red wine every day. And these people had lower instances of heart disease, and they also had increased longevity. Uh, and so that was really fascinating for me. And I remember, I remember hearing about all of this quite a few years ago and, and did a lot more research on it. And right now there are a lot of studies out there that say drinking red wine actually has um, a heart healthy kind of component to it. And it has a lot of antioxidants. And what antioxidants do is they reduce oxidative stress and inflammation in the body and thereby the risk of heart disease is also brought down. So the American Heart Association uh, has said that of course, you know, heavier alcohol usage very obviously has negative effects. Um, just in life, it increases your triglycerides, it increases your blood pressure, it leads to, to weight, weight gain, but drinking red wine in moderation and, um, and not overdoing it actually is very good for your heart health. Uh, so, so in moderation, I, I think red wine in combination with, but also in combination with eating kind of a very clean Mediterranean diet that's very high in healthy fats, olive oil, avocado, almonds, salmon, uh, that I think all these things work cohesively to create just a happier, healthier human. Um, uh, do I recommend having a bottle of red wine every single night? Uh, not necessarily. That That's really a lot for your body. Um, do people kind of build a tolerance the more they drink? Uh, yes, they do. Um, but I, I'm a firm believer in, in balance. And I do think that even though uh, there are certain types of alcohol that do have lots of health benefits that uh, I, cause I know that the joke right now, a lot of people are going to say, Oh, well, Daphne says that, uh, red wine is really heart healthy. Uh, and then they're going to have a girl's night and then they're going to power. Through, I've like, like already bottles. texted my girls, <laughs> I know. I'm like get out the red wine. Yeah, me too. And I'm so, and I love nights like that. Um, and I think it's great to have those nights from a social cultural standpoint every once in a while, but I also do and I've kind of witnessed these effects with myself, um, kind of limiting my alcohol intake during the week and seeing how that made me feel. Um, and I'll even just use myself as an example. Like I said, I was in Napa about a month ago and, and for an entire week, it was wine tasting pretty much every single day. Um, and, and I did feel uh, some physical changes. I definitely felt a little bit more bloated and I definitely um, felt like my energy levels weren't quite as low. And then by the end of the trip, I definitely didn't even have a desire to drink any more wine. It was like my body could almost, um, 
You're like, couldn't even handle it by that it point It was tapping out. <laughs> yeah, body was tapping out. I never had any, like, monster hangovers. I never had any nights of, like, insane craziness where I was, you know, dancing on tables or anything. Uh, you don't do that in Napa. <laughs> well, maybe you do. I don't know. But um, And then I actually, I, I got back from... Uh, I got back from Napa and I got back to New York and I decided to just, um, uh, to avoid alcohol just for one week, even in in the course of one week, I felt like the inflammation in my body went down. I felt like the swelling I was feeling, I was feeling very bloated and I felt, um, uh, a little inflamed. You could feel all of that going down. And, um, so And then I've also had experiences with clients, too, who do eliminate drinking as much during the week, and their weight, their body fat levels do go down. Yeah, let's talk about that. So how does drinking affect weight gain, do you, in in your experience, plus science? (laughs) Alcohol has a lot of calories. It's just a very basic, um, it's a very basic equation. Uh, The more calories you ingest, um, if you ingest too many calories of anything, though, Mm -hmm. you can ingest too many calories of, um... Of, of what we would consider like a healthy substance. It's kind of like... If I ate too much I, kale. If you ate... <laughs> which I'm so in danger of. How much kale do you think you could eat? That would pass right there. <laughs> well, yeah. I could probably eat a lot of kale, but it would probably be pretty hard to eat it to the point of uh, caloric excess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your body would just be like, no! No more! <laughs> no, Joanna, have a kale stop. hangover. <laughs> Uh, I do, I do witness that reducing, and this is just kind of my hands-on experience with my clients, that when they do cut out alcohol, or when they cut out alcohol during the week, and they limit their alcohol intake, uh, they don't go crazy on the weekends, but they'll still have just maybe like a couple drinks on like a Friday or a Saturday, that their weight actually does go down. And it's a very basic thing. Alcohol does have a lot of calories. And, uh, you know, and, and the question you, you asked me was, you know, Daphne, why don't you drink juice? Well, it's kind of like I'd rather eat something. I'd rather eat something instead for me putting that into my body and forcing my body to process this. Um, it's kind of the same thing with alcohol. So with alcohol, I'd rather have I'd rather have alcohol than juice, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it but, does. Yeah, <laughs> duh. <laughs> so um, alcohol is just um, it's just something extra. And if you're working on things that I have suggested in previous podcasts, like giving yourself a cutoff time, not ingesting anything calorically past 9 p.m., uh, going to bed hungry, going to bed on an empty stomach, it's hard to... Alcohol counts as that. If you're having alcohol late at night, or you decide to have a, a big chocolate chip cookie late at night, and once again, there's nothing wrong with these two things. I'm just using these as um, just as examples. You could have the alcohol late at night. You could have the um, chocolate chip cookie late at night as your, you know, your your 10 p.m. snack or your dessert, um, and that that just means you're not going to bed on the empty stomach that I recommended, and that just means that your body is processing something calorically, um, something uh, calorically full, and your body is processing something that has sugar in it while you sleep when your body should be burning its own fat. So really, it's not so much that my clients lose weight by eliminating alcohol, it's my clients lose weight by not eating and drinking or by not drinking extra calories late at night. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, um, it's not even so much about the alcohol. It's more just about the lifestyle 
mm-hmm. the lifestyle Because changed. if I know it for me, at least, if I'm out late and I'm drinking, the chances that I'm going to get pizza are like 95, yeah. <laughs> you know, percent. I'm almost certainly getting pizza or like eating snacks when I get home. Uh, and so it's sort of all combined. Like I'm staying up later. I'm having the calories that are in the drink. And then I'm also like probably eating food in connection with that experience. And it's late at night. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. And we work, we live and work in this culture, um, uh, where we, where social experiences and social celebrations always revolve around alcohol. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, we are 30 something year old females who live and work in New York city and someone's going to throw an impromptu birthday party on a Tuesday night. And there is going to be a birthday party on Saturday and someone's going to be having a um, holiday party. And then your, your husband's office is going to be having a company holiday party. And, um, in the world of some other industries, a lot of client lunches are, uh, deals are made over, over a whiskey and Coke and, um, and um, entertaining clients revolves around going out for happy hour and going out for dinner and drinks. It's it's a pretty big part of our culture. And once again, there is nothing wrong with that. We should be able to go out and have a drink um, or two when we want. And we should be able to uh, stop by a birthday party impromptu on a Tuesday. And we should be able to go to a friend's birthday celebration or an engagement celebration and be able to enjoy yourself. I think from a health standpoint, uh, I think if you do have weight loss goals, uh, then yes, this is where I get to be a little tough love on you and say, um, you don't necessarily need to drink alcohol every night of the week and you don't necessarily need to drink it by yourself. Maybe save it for the social. You're so tough, Daphne. (laughs) I can't drink constantly and by myself. Uh, too many rules. I know. Doesn't that sound so harsh of so me? So harsh. I'm just so mean and so abrasive. Daphne's very mean. <laughs> uh, well, that makes sense. So let's let's talk about some strategies for how to um, keep, like, for people for whom it is healthy to have alcohol a part of their life, how to um, have a healthy relationship with alcohol and still do the stuff we want to do, like be social, entertain clients, go to parties, all that stuff. Um, so... First of all, you and I have talked about this before, um, like best drink choice if everything is available to you. Mm-hmm. The best drink choice. Um, remember our prepared panda? Yes. Have a game plan. Mm-hmm. No matter what social situation you go into, know, have a game plan uh, and have an idea of how many drinks you're going to have before you enter the party or step into the bar and... And, and be a prepared panda and know what is happening. Are you going to a beer hall? Are you going to a wine bar? Are you going to a regular bar? Is this a holiday party? Is this not a holiday party? Um, is it a wedding with an open bar? Is it a wedding with an open bar? Uh, you want to be a prepared panda. So the first step is to go in with a game plan. Have an idea of how many drinks you're going to have before you you go into the situation. Know what you have to do the next day. If you do have to be productive the next day, then chances are... Uh, if you give yourself a little bit of, um, if, 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 if you give yourself a little bit of a kind of like a, a, a guideline or you give yourself some, just some boundaries, you'll still be able to have a really great time without, uh, without feeling really crummy the next day. So have a game plan. Uh, and I would say too, like in terms of number of drinks, I think like most people in the world, 
um, their actual like ultimate level of like revelry is like one drink before they actually drink their last drink. Yeah. <laughs> like pretty much everyone should stop at least one earlier because it does take your body a while to like catch up with what you're drinking. And I know, for example, like if I have a couple drinks and then I'm like, you know, well, I'm still at the party and I'm having a good time. So I'll have a third drink like for me and my body, like by partway through that third drink, I know it was a bad idea. Um, and if I just stop after the second drink and like let that ride for a while, I'm usually, I'm almost always in better shape. Like whatever number of drinks you think is your number, try subtracting one just yeah. off the bat and see what happens. Just to be on the safe side. <laughs> so a, a side tangent is, um, think about your body as your temple and you want to treat your body right. And think of, instead of thinking of having that extra drink or um, you wanting to have a crazy night out, uh, spin twisted a little bit. Instead of thinking, oh, well, I know I shouldn't, uh, but I want I'm gonna to. Be bad. I'm going to be bad. I'm going to rebel against myself and Daphne, and, and I'm just going to go crazy, and I'm going to rebel against work. A lot of times people, hey, you're angry at your job. Don't take it out on your body. If you have a really stressful nine to five, don't take it out on your body by getting obliterated on Friday night. Your body is your temple. So if anything, spin it and think about it this way. This is the body you're stuck with for the rest of your life. You should treat it nice now. And if you know, based off of this podcast, what all the chemical reactions are happening to your to your body, because ultimately alcohol is a toxin. Alcohol is considered a poison, and alcohol is also classified as a depressant. And I know that's kind of hard news for people to hear, especially in this society and culture where yeah, everything is... Yeah, but like, is, who doesn't know in their heart of hearts that alcohol is a depressant? Right, Have exactly. you ever seen a drunk person? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we all know we all that know. it makes you yeah. sad. It's classified as a depressant. Even if you feel really happy and giddy when you start drinking it, there's a reason why later on in the night or the next day you do feel groggy and sad and depressed. And it's not because you are a groggy, sad and depressed person, but it's because alcohol is a depressant. So if you are already currently depressed, it's really the worst thing you could do for yourself. Um, but I think just this little tangent is, um, instead of resisting, uh, all these kind of like good, healthy tips and tricks, uh, embrace them and almost view them as if because you love your body and that's why you don't want to put your body through the burden of having to metabolize so much alcohol just like with food put nutrient dense food in your body not because you're being forced to eat healthy because Daphne says so or because your mom says so or because you think you should do it because this is your body that you are with for the rest of your life for the next 50 60 70 80 90 years and you want to have a great quality of life. So if by treating it a little bit better now when you're young means you are going to have, um, or whatever age you are, uh, if by making a decision to not have that last drink is going to lead to your liver not having to work quite so hard and to lead to your brain cells not getting quite so hit and um, leading to the, the toxicity in your bloodstream not being quite so high, I think it's worth it. So it's a very rational way to look at it. And mm -hmm. generally, if you are you know three drinks in, at a party, the last thing you're thinking about is, well, Daphne says I should treat my body like a temple. <laughs> but, but I think that's why it's good to to tell you that now. While um, 
Because you're probably not drinking right now, guys. But if you are, then... <laughs> <laughs> good on you. Cheers. Um, okay, so my favorite my favorite drinks. Right. Okay, the best drinks to drink if you are out at a party or if you are out at a bar, if you are trying to watch your waistline. So the main thing is um, you want to avoid too many sugary mixers. So the best wines to go for, or so the best alcohol to go for is, of course, just, just wine and going for drier wines, not sweeter wines. So calorically speaking, drier wines um, are actually are actually a little lower in calories. Um, if you are going to use a mixer, say you are doing... Ooh, can I say something about why that might be? So the yeasts in fermented drinks eat sugars. Mm-hmm. So the sweeter the drink... If it's from like the natural fermentation process that it's sweet, they aren't like adding sugar later. Mm-hmm. It's because the yeasts haven't eaten as many of the um, sugars yet. So then you eat the sugars. Exactly. There's a higher sugar content and extra calories as well. So go for a drier wine. And if you are going to use a mixer, um, just use club soda. And, and I know a lot of people will say like, well, can't I just use like Diet Coke or Diet Sprite? Um, you know... I have a lot of, I was going to say mixed feelings, but I actually have some very strong feelings. Uh, I don't think people should be putting artificial sweeteners in their bodies at all. So I would almost avoid doing that. Um, I would I just, just use club soda at that point in time. Also, uh, club like, soda and lemons and limes. If you're, if you're drinking with like super sugary mixers, you're not tasting the alcohol, which I get it. Like that's the purpose. The point, yeah. But... <laughs> It also makes it harder to gauge how much you're drinking, which if both for your own like safety and for your health, like there's something to be said for being able to tell how much alcohol you're consuming. Yeah. So I'm going to go with wine or um, if I'm drinking um, hard liquor, I'm going to mix with club soda. Club soda, some lemon and lime, mm-hmm. like fresh lemon and lime. And um, also, uh, well, a lot of times people suggest light beers. Um but for me, the, the difference in calories is so slight. I mean, we're talking just a few between light beers and regular beers that, um, you know, d- or don't don't put everything into the light beer and think that it's going to keep you super slim. Like, you know, all those Michelob Ultra ads where people, I think they go, they're like working out. They're yeah, like they're on super like, they're sporty. Like, yeah, they're like super sporty. And then all the girls in their sports bras and all the guys in their athletic wear, they go and they have like... A beer afterwards. Um, I mean, we're talking just like a very minor calorie difference. In my mind, a beer is a beer is a beer. So you may as well have one that tastes so, good. Yeah, you may as well have one that tastes the way you want it to taste. It tastes like an actual beer. I mean, the calories you're saving by switching to a light beer, we're talking maybe like 20, 30. Uh, and that's the thing. If you're going for a run and going for a hike and then go, it's like, it, it all kind of equals Comes out itself. Comes the wash. Yeah. And um, it... it this is going to sound kind of almost counterproductive, but to to limit your intake, you kind of just want to go for the straight alcohol. <laughs> so so just go for the, the spirit or go for the, the liquor or um, go for just a glass of wine or, or some beer. The main thing you want to avoid is all the sugary mix-ins. And those don't make you feel good either. The body really can't handle too much sugar. Um, 
It's, it's really the sugar that gets converted to body fat the quickest. We talk about this in my carbohydrate, in our carbohydrate episode, um, where we talk about how carbohydrates, the body can only process so much glucose at a time. Whatever it doesn't process, it's going to get stored as fat right away. So the worst things you could drink are pina coladas, Long Island iced teas, margaritas and daiquiris. All those fun vacation oh, drinks. I know, and sangria and, um, and cr- like craft cocktails. And those are really the fun, like the fun, the seriously fun things to drink. Um, I could do without a few of these. I could do without pina coladas. I could do without... My mom's going to be mad. <laughs> not that my does mom, mom drinks. Them? She does not drink very much, but she does like a pina colada. See, yeah, and but that's the thing. If you're having it because it's a one-time thing or just if you're on vacation and you don't have them all the time. And also, if you're not really that hung up on, on you know, your waistline or body fat reduction... Have your pina colada. I mean, yeah, it'll be well over 300 calories, but if you're moving and grooving and if you have a healthy metabolism, you can handle that pina colada on the beach. Um, but if you're talking love, about, like, what to have as your go-to drink, yeah, go-to maybe drinks. make it, like, mm-hmm. wine instead of yeah. the really sugary frozen stuff. And for me, I mean, margaritas are... I love margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> I love... I mean, I have my first margarita in, like, May, generally. It's, like, Cinco de Mayo. And I'm like always like, oh, it tastes like summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, margaritas and chips and guac and salsa. That's like that's like my jam right there. <laughs> Joanna loves margaritas too. <laughs> I do. She does. Um, um, <laughs> so our so so far we're gonna drink less overall. We're going to go for like either wine or um, uh, like non-caloric non-fake sugar mixers or like just go for the you know whiskey on the rocks um do you have other tips about like uh you know what to do at a party like do you suggest the like swapping like have a drink and then have a glass of water yeah strategy? And that, that is such a that's like an age-old adage um, it's, which is, it's of course helpful. It can't hurt you to hydrate. Um, I don't think it's going to cure you of everything and, and flush out all the alcohol in your system. Um, because like I said, the, the, the alcohol gets absorbed into your bloodstream and it goes straight up to your brain pretty much right away. And is the water necessarily going to flush all of that out? Not necessarily, but it will just prevent dehydration. So yeah, of course, keep drinking the water. Um, but I think there are a few things that, um, we can all take away. So um, there's this old mantra, liquor before beer, you're in the clear, beer before liquor, never been sicker. So in one word, basically, nope, <laughs> not true. <laughs> it's it's really the amount you drink that matters more in the long run. So, or in the short run, if you're a lightweight. <laughs> if you're short. <laughs> if you're short. So it really doesn't matter if it's liquor, wine, or beer. Um, uh, really, it's, it's just the amount that you're drinking. And um, I, I really feel like I, I do want people to believe that just because it's a light beer doesn't mean you can drink as much of it as you want. Kind of like, um, you know, I'd rather you drink just like one great regular pint of Guinness and enjoy it than have five light beers. Just like I'd rather you eat a piece of really good chocolate cake than eat five bags of Snackwell's you know, gross, (laughs) supposedly quote unquote healthy cookies. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a similar, a similar, um, 
Go for quality over quantity. Go for quality over quantity. One thing that I think is useful, though, about the, like, water in between drinks thing is that I think for a lot of people, alcohol happens in social situations that can be awkward. For example, an office party, a wedding where you don't know that many people, any social situation Mm -hmm. is awkward for some people. And I think um, having something in your hands is really key for some people. Yeah. Um, And having that glass of water gives you like the thing in your hands or the thing to do when you're like thinking of the next thing to say Mm -hmm. without it having to be like booze after booze after booze after booze after booze. Mm -hmm. So it's not that the water is like a miracle cure, but I think that in the way that we use alcohol socially, it can sort of like slow down some of those, some of that drinking because you can still like have the thing in your hand. And people don't need to know it's water too. It doesn't, people don't need to, you don't even need to divulge that information if you're not comfortable um, doing it. But then again, if you're in a social con or if you're in a social context where people would judge you for drinking water, maybe you're not. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe get out of the social context. Maybe you're not with people who love and care about you, (laughs) but throw some lemon wedges or a lime wedge into your water and no one is going to know the difference. And from my personal experience, would you like to hear what my cure is for my hangovers? Or for, yes. my, yeah, for all of the, cause I do get hungover. I know. I don't know if people, I, I think, well, yeah. For those of you who know me really well, I mean, I am a lightweight, like <laughs> just a one glass of wine and I am out, I am dancing and, um, and then I fall asleep. So, <laughs> oh, which is another thing. Alcohol actually does not lead to better quality of sleep. It helps you fall asleep quickly, but the quality of sleep is actually, um, is actually very bad. Uh, when you have alcohol in your system. So that's another thing to to make note of. So if you're using alcohol to help you fall asleep, it's actually completely counter into, counterproductive. It'll help you fall asleep, maybe right away. It won't help it makes you, you stay drowsy, asleep. But it, you're not going to stay asleep. And you'll actually wake up about four hours later. Um, and even if you don't fully wake up, your body's waking up a little bit. You might not even be aware of it. And your quality of sleep is not, um, not going to be as good. So my recipe for <laughs> for how I cure my hangovers um so and this is the, this is the hangover where I just feel really groggy and tired and lazy and lousy and low energy and fatigue so we're not talking about my my like sick hangovers where I've essentially alcohol poisoned myself and I'm just puking all day mm-hmm. the next day um, because for me it doesn't really happen the night of it's always the next day and um so we get to get really gross here <laughs> um but um so we're not talking about that if that is the case though and then if you are throwing up a lot all you really can do is just ride it out you have to ride it out and then you have to um because you are throwing up then balance out your electrolytes um and you know have some Gatorade and some of those electrolyte heavy drinks, you would, you would pretty much do the exact same protocol you would do if you had a stomach bug, but you're drinking the electrolytes because you're throwing up, not because of the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, really there, there it's, it's kind of a myth too that like, Oh, drinking Gatorade the next day is going to help with a hangover. Um, just being hydrated in general is just good for you overall. So, um, if you are throwing up either the night of, or the day after drinking, you really just have to ride it out and you have to sleep. Um, and you have to, and, and if you can tolerate food, you know, go ahead and have some food, but chances are you, you just really need to get the poison out of your body. Like I said, alcohol is a toxin, it's a poison. And if you are throwing up the day after, um, a night of drinking, you essentially had too much and you've, you've poisoned your body essentially. 
and your body's regarding it as poison. You've had too much and, um, and you don't want that and you should try to prevent that because that's not good for your liver and it's not good for your, your body and your longevity and everything as a whole. So, so when I'm feeling super groggy and when I'm feeling really low energy and when I um, wake up on a Sunday and I'm like, oh my God, I have to train four clients in a row right now who can't know I'm hungover. Right. <laughs> so um, my go-to is I always have a super substantial breakfast. So a super substantial breakfast is, is great in the sense that um, uh, it restores a sense of normalcy. Um, but then, and then I'll get through my clients and then of course I'll have my water and I'll have my coffee, but that's what I have every day. And I think that just makes me feel normal as a human in general. Um, and I'll get through my clients and I will, you know, uh, do my best. And, and guys, I'm not hungover every Sunday. In fact, I'm, I'm, I guess I, I don't, I really don't drink that much, but, um, uh, this is just an, an example, but really the best thing to do is you have to sleep it off. <laughs> sleep is a key. Sleep is critical. Um, if I get a, if I, if I don't have to go to work, uh, and if I don't have anything to do, then I really just try to force myself to sleep until I wake up naturally. And then I feel a lot better. Um, because lounging around kind of lazily and grumpily isn't really going to help as well. And then Another thing I also really recommend, after you have slept as much as you can, of course, have your coffee and your water and your breakfast, go work out. Sweat it out. Work out? Yeah. Working out just metabolizes everything, right? Working out metabolizes food. Working out causes a lot of chemical reactions in your body. And working out is, of course, going to help metabolize whatever leftover alcohol it is you have in your system. Uh, working out and sweating is also a very strong uh, detoxifying activity. So hit up the sauna, get a workout in. And those are my, those are Daphne's hangover, hangover cures. All right. Let's see if I can, can gather up a t the takeaways here. All right. So the takeaway, um, is that, um, when you drink alcohol, it meta or you, it gets into your, your brain pretty fast. Um, and, uh, it slows down your nerve things, <laughs> however you'd want to call that slows down your nerve things. Uh, and that's why you feel drunk. Um, and uh, then if you drink more than your liver can handle, that's what makes you feel bad. Um, and uh, your liver is what uh, starts to metabolize the alcohol. Um, and uh, so if you wake up hungover, um, some of those symptoms might have to do with dehydration, but not all of them. Um, most of them are probably due to the fact that um, your body is having a hard time metabolizing all that alcohol. Um, and, uh, there are some potential benefits to drinking like red wine in moderation. Um, but in general, drinking too much, um, aside from all of the, uh, social consequences that it might have and emotional consequences, because it is a depressant, um, it is, uh, more calories that you're, uh, dumping into your system. Um, especially if you're mixing it with really sugary mixers and you're also probably having them late at night, which makes it hard for your body to, uh, digest them. So, um, tips and tricks to be able to, um, be flexible about drinking, but also do it in a way that's healthy for your body. Um, don't drink too much, uh, drink things like wine and, um, 
uh, liquor mixed with uh, like club, so- soda. club soda, things like that, as opposed to um, like beer and really sugary mixed drinks. Um, and if you're going to have the beer, just have a regular beer. Right, just have the regular beer. Light beer is not going to save you, plus it tastes gross. Um, and uh, if you wake up with a hangover, try to sleep as long as you can, first of all, have a substantial breakfast, and then go work it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like we said at the beginning, you know, there's really a difference between wanting to be able to drink in a way that keeps you feeling good and fit um, versus like needing to keep drinking because it's become a crutch for you. So I, I just want to say again that if you do, um, uh, you know, feel like alcohol is something that you can't cut down on, that's something that people can help you with. And um, and there are your doctor can help you, your therapist can help you, uh, your family can help you. And there's no shame surrounding any of that. Right. Um, so get the help you need um, if you need it because we want you to be around. Yay. Yay. We should do a just one more happy hour. We should. All and of you our can listeners. drink water with no shame at exactly. our happy hour. Yeah. No shame. A no shame zone. <laughs> this week we have a listener question from our friend Libby. Hi, Libby. Uh, and the question is, is there a way to tell if an exercise you find on the internet is effective and or dangerous? Hopefully it's either one or the other. <laughs> if it's effective and dangerous, you're in trouble. Uh, she says, I already have a lot of basic exercises that I use for strength training routines, but when I try to find new ones to mix it up, they seem overly complicated and I don't understand how to do them and or they're painful, so I immediately stop. So how can we safely use the internet to find new exercises? That is such a great question. And I think, um, Libby, just what you said, the second anything feels uncomfortable or painful or strange in your body, stop immediately. There's no need to push through it. I always stress that exercise is a form of injury prevention. That's why we do it. We exercise so that our body is healthy and balanced and our muscles are strong so that we, uh, and that was, and so we're more coordinated. So we don't trip and fall all the time. So we can stand up and sit down without hurting our lower backs. Um, and exercising is also great because it undoes the damage that our daily lives do. Example, sitting at a computer and a desk all day long at your nine to five, um, exercising is going to correct all of those physical things that happen like tight hips, um, uh, your shoulders rolling in neck and back pain exercise helps to undo all of those things. And it helps to balance you out. So the internet, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the internet is a, is a, is a really great place for, for, uh, for finding resources. I mean, a lot of my own resources and, and exercises that I, um, that I like, I'll even put up either on my Instagram or on, on YouTube. Um, and the, the rule of thumb when finding exercises on the internet is it, chances are if it's a body weight exercise, if it's not requiring any heavy equipment or if it's just, if it's really requiring no equipment, uh, it, it is, it is very safe. The main thing to take away is making sure that you are doing them with proper form. So generally, if you do find a website and it has some great photos of how to do, I'm just going to use squats, a plank, and a push-up as an example. You have photos, maybe find a website that actually has maybe some uh, some text underneath it that says... 
for the squat, make sure your knees are in line with your ankles. Make sure your weight is in your heels. Make sure you have, um, make sure you're pulling your belly button in tor- towards your, su- your spine and make sure you're not rounding your back over. That way you can look at the picture of some girl doing a, a squat, uh, but then look at maybe the text underneath it um, and make sure it explains how to do it and why you're doing it. Um, I find sometimes a lot of times with squats, people don't do them correctly, even though they think they are doing them correctly. Um, and then I get people who come to hit it, my workout class, and, and they'll tell me right at the beginning of class, oh yeah, I work out all the time. Like I work out all the time. I take classes all the time. And then I see them in the first 20 seconds of class and um, they've been doing something wrong for, for many, many years. So if you can find a site that actually does have a little bit of information along with a photo, go for that. Generally, you can't really do much harm doing a body weight exercise. So then we get into the world of maybe dumbbells and kettlebells. Um, Generally for dumbbell and kettlebell exercises, if you are doing everything with proper form, it's it's near impossible to hurt yourself. It's also near impossible to hurt yourself if you are completely warmed up leading into the exercise. It gets complicated when we get into the world of lifting heavy things. So really with kettlebell exercises, with dumbbell exercises, if you're keeping your core super engaged the entire time, if your knees are always uh, in line with your ankles, and if you are never extending your knees past your toes, and if you're always kind of locking your shoulders down and back so you have really great posture, those are pretty much my form my form notes. For every most for most exercises across the board, body weight or kettlebell or dumbbell, all of which are things that I love to use. Um, my class is completely body weight exercises, and then when I work with clients, we do a combination of body weight exercises, dumbbell exercises, and kettlebell exercises. So when we get into the world of lifting heavy things, powerlifting, um, I might cause a little bit of controversy by saying this, but but things like CrossFit, you want to be careful with things like that because you are lifting heavy things that sometimes go overhead, and you do run the risk of um, spine issues, disc issues, lower back issues. Uh, chances are, if it looks too heavy or complicated, it is, <laughs> and, and don't do those exercises. So my rule of thumb, stick to body weight exercises or dumbbell exercises or kettlebell exercises. Make sure that your shoulders are always pulled away from your ears. Keep your abs engaged at all times. Never let your knees pass your toes for any, um, for any exercise. And if it feels uncomfortable, stop immediately. And my last thing is Uh, you can always modify the exercise. So if you see something that looks great and you want to try it without dumbbells, take out the dumbbells. Or if your dumbbells maybe feel too heavy for the exercise, take out the dumbbells for a push-up. Say you're not getting your chest low enough to the ground, drop your knees down to the ground. Uh, Just keep, keep trying until you get strong enough to do the full exercise. But there is nothing wrong with modifications for lower body exercises and upper body exercises. You can always just decrease your range of motion. You don't need to squat as deep. You can just go, you can just squat a little bit. You're still going to wake up those glute and hamstring muscles. So modifications are really, um, really wonderful. And, um, and in my class and with all my personal training sessions, uh, modifications are always given. And in personal training sessions, when we have to modify something, I always say, this is why they call it personal training. That's why I'm here, you know, to help you with the modifications. But if something feels painful, 
stop immediately if you're online and if you see something um if you see a picture of something and you want to try it make sure that there's some text and some direction on how to do it and chances are if something looks too heavy or too complicated it is and you can go ahead and avoid it awesome thanks daphne uh listeners if you have a question that you want us to answer let us know we would love to answer it on the air email us at info at just one more podcast.com or tweet us at just one more pod that's at just one more pod Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shaw-Flam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on iTunes or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes and for help subscribing, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Just One More Pod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Just One More Podcast, or you can email us at info at justonemorepodcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.